faith and love. The theme verse of, of the series I want to share with us today, I want to look at for the next, not just today, but for the next few weeks, comes from Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. It's a verse of scripture I read, again, probably a year and a half ago or something in my, in my just time through the word, in my own personal time, and I came across a verse of scripture I've probably read many times, um, but it, it never, it just stood out to me. In this, and it's this, in Christ Jesus, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. I love that. In Christ Jesus, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Isn't that good? Oh, I thought we were there. We're not there yet. Okay, I need, I need help preaching, friends. I need help The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Isn't that good? Yeah. Some of you are like, ah, I need more. I need need some more before I start amening or clapping, okay? Listen, this is the heartbeat of this whole book. This is the heartbeat of God. The only thing that matters is faith. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Okay, so let's, let's do just a, a through the Bible in a few minutes. I want, us to, I want to see that this is not just a Paul idea thing, like, oh, he just stumbled on something and he, and he said it in this one letter. No, no, no. He's taking this from the whole of, of, of the New Testament scripture. The, everyone who is writing in the New Testament since Jesus wrote from this very specific perspective. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Do you guys remember this guy named Jesus who said something similar to that? You remember that? You see in, in Matthew chapter 22, I found also in, uh, in other places, when, when asked, what is the greatest commandment? What was his answer? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love others as yourself. Right, so think about it. So, so these, these teachers of the law are asking the question, what is the greatest commandment in all the Bible, right? Got it? So like, what is the most important thing when it comes to our faith? Right? What, what's the most important thing? What's the greatest commandment? When it comes to faith, what's the most important thing? He says love. Again, pointing, Jesus pointing to this very same concept, or really Paul pointing to the same concept that Jesus introduced. The, the, the only thing that counts really is this, is, is faith expressing itself through love, Jesus, this is the greatest commandment. This is how you live out your faith. This is how this, this religion thing, if, if uh, I know a lot of us don't like to use that word, and I get it, but this, this spiritual life thing, this, this, this relationship with God, this faith that I have, it's all about loving God and other, loving others. And it makes sense, right? When we talk about faith, we, we refer to our belief in God. But we, but we, as mature believers, we know that faith is, is more than just like adhering to a set of, of doctrines, right? We know that our Christian faith is not just believing the right things, but that God invites us into a relationship, right? And, it, and it's more than just like, you know, we have all different kinds of relationships. Like I have a relationship with like distant cousins, right? It's not, a, it's not like that or relationship with my dentist. And it's definitely not like that because I'm kind of avoiding him right now. But, um, but God uses these ex- illustrations in scripture of what kind of relationship it is. He says, it's like, 
it's like a husband and a bride. That's the kind of relationship that God invites us into. He says it's like, it's like a, a good father and their children. This is the type of relationship that God compares it to. So, so here, we are, the, the, the foundation of our faith is this relationship with God and relationship that is, and with using those two illustrations, those examples, those are relationships that are supposed to be based in love, right? So it kind of makes sense in and of itself that, that faith, uh, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through God or through love. The first off, it's through love of God, right? How do I demonstrate my faith? It's not by doing all the list of to-dos. It's about loving God. But then Jesus says, when asked, the second command, commandment is like that. He says, it's not just love God, but it's love your neighbor as yourself, right? This is stuff we know. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, all the law and the prophets, all of the, the Bible that they had at that time, it was a phrase that they used for the scripture, all the scripture hangs from this thing. Like this is the foundation of what it means to live a life in Christ. Love God and love others. Put your faith in action. Put your love on display. That faith, my relationship with God, my, that love uh, talks of uh, my relationship with God and with other people. But just in case we think, just to really drive home this fact, okay? It's not just Jesus. It's not just Paul. James talked about it too. In James chapter two, like the whole chapter, like he's, he, in verse 17 and verse 26, he makes a statement that faith without, and one time he says, deeds is dead. Faith is dead. Faith without action, he says at the end of the chapter, is dead. Like doesn't, but it's not about this religious action. We do. Well, what is the faith in action he's talking about? Read James 2 and you're gonna find. He's talking about showing favoritism to some over others. He's talking about um, giving to the needy. He's talking about uh, looking after the, the, the orphan and the widow. Like these are, he's talking about love. What he's saying is faith without love is dead. Faith that doesn't express itself in love to not just God, but to other people is not even faith at all. All right, so Jesus said it, Paul said it, James said it. Now, now let me read, now let me read, John, I'll tell you what, John loved love. <laughs> okay, if you, if you studied John, you will find that all over the place, right? You, in the gospel that he wrote, the, the account of Jesus, how did he refer to himself? You guys know, as, as a disciple whom Jesus loved. Like he was so enamored with the love of God. I think he got something that, that, that some of us tend to miss sometimes. He understood this. There's nothing else that counts other than faith expressing itself in love. He understood the greatest commandment is love God and love others. And so a lot of his teaching and his writing expressed this. So I want, I want to read some verses to you from uh, not his um, gospel, but one of the letters he wrote. Um, in 1 John chapter 4, I'm going to start reading verse 7. Listen to the emphasis that is placed on, on love being the foundation as, foundational aspect of our Christian lives. He says this, <clears throat> Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God and, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. But whoever, this is strong, but whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed us or showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son of the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that, not that we love God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, I love it didn't just say since God loved us, but since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. 
no one's ever seen God. But if, if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Turn down to verse 16. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. You, you start to see the, the foundation that he's building here. Then down to 19. We love because he first loved us. And this is where he starts to really get strong. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Ooh. Right? That stings a little, doesn't it? For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must love their brother and sister. I read all that and I take the time to read all that just because for this one reason, that we would maybe begin or continue or be reminded to understand that the Christian life is maybe a little less complicated than we tend to make it. Like it's real simple. <laughs> it's not always easy, but it's quite simple. So let me, let me, let me give us a little bit of the context because here's, here's the deal. It's so simple, right? But why don't we do this well? or at least as well as, as, as we should. I'd ask for a show of hands, who all thinks they are loving everyone around them as well as they could, as well as Jesus would love the people around them, right? I would ask for a show of hands, but I'm not gonna do that to you, okay? Because we, we, we look at this and there's, there's things that often, these obstacles, there's these obstacles that come, we love the, the idea of this message, don't we? But it's hard to live out. Let me define something here for us. You see, we talk about, I talked about religion. James uses the word. I know some of us don't like the word religion, but you know, James used it. And he says, religion that is pure and faultless is this, is to look after widows and orphans in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. He's like, this is what true religion, this is what God, but, but in a modern, modern uh, times, we, we tend to define religion and the gospel a little differently, don't we? And so for the sake of, of uh, <clears throat> reference here, I'm gonna use a, kind of a common definition or a distinction between just what general religion is. I mean, religion is old. Religion has been going on for years and years and years. Religion in, in essence and in its simple form is simply man's effort to bridge the gap between God, us and God, right? I mean, we've known and humanity for a long time, we understand like there's this, this, this innate, thing that God put inside of us that we recognize that, that, that we are not God. And there's a gap there, right? Most, I mean, it's just innate inside of us any, among cultures or whatever. Like we recognize there is, a, there is a being that is beyond us, even if they can't define it all perfectly. There's something that is beyond us. And, 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 and I don't live up to that, right? There's, there's, and so for, for, for centuries, millennia, people have been making these efforts to try to bridge that gap one way or another. We will, for the sake of our discussion, we'll call that religion. This, this building of rules, if I do X, Y, and Z, and, and, and if, these, if my thinking is right here, and if, if I put these things together in my life just right, and if my, all these different pieces are in place, if I, if I do all these things, then, then maybe I can bridge that gap between me and God. But the gospel tells a different story. The gospel is the story of God's effort to bridge the gap to us. And it's unlike any other religion in the world. 
all the religions of the world are, are man trying to bridge the gap towards God. But this, the gospel story is a unique story of God who left heaven to bridge the gap for us. Guys, this is just, this is the foundation of the gospel. And then he says, all right, I've done all this for you. This is what I ask in return. Love me and love the people I created. Just, just do that. If you can do that, 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 the whole scripture hangs on this. Paul says all the other religious activity stuff, it doesn't even matter. It has no value. What counts is faith and the way that it expresses itself in, in, in love. So let me, let me get to, back to our text today. I wanna read the context. I have to say, if some of you have opened up your Bible and you read Galatians chapter five, verse six, you're like, hey, you left something out. Uh, I did. I wanna make sure I have time to, to, to uh, address the, the context, because I would say this is the first time I've ever preached a series, a sermon series, um, where the key verse for the series had the word circumcision in it twice, okay? So it's, it's a little bit different, okay? Uh, and so let me, let me talk about that here real quick. Galatians chapter 5, uh, Paul is writing to a specific issue in the church. In the church in Galatia, um, they have, what's taking place now is... Jesus has recently died on the cross, rose from the dead. He's ascended into heaven. And now the gospel is going out. The story of the good news of Jesus that he has, has, has brought, he has bridged that gap. That once and for all, whether Jew or Gentile, male or woman, slave or free, he goes on and on, that, that there is everybody is now available to receive this free gift of grace through Jesus Christ. It's incredible. However, for centuries, God's people were marked by national borders. God chose Abraham and then his descendants who became the nation of Israel and said, I have called you out of the world to be different from the world. I've chosen you to be the people who carry my name. And he gave him the law. He said, I want to, I know you're broken and I'm perfect, but I'm gonna give you this, this temporary means for you and I to connect. And it was the law. Now, now, one of the, the critical aspects of the law was circumcision. I, I, again, again, I, I get it. It's weird. I don't understand why, but it is what it is. And so here God said, you are going to carry in your physical body a mark of your identity in me. That's what circumcision was. And so, so the people of Israel took great pride in the practice of circumcision. It would be something where even as, as, as in, in their history, as they'd walk away from God and begin to serve other gods, like that was one of the marks of coming back to God. Circumcision was not just a sign of my identity, but it was a sign that I'm coming under the authority of God. It is a sign that I'm going to honor the, the old covenant, the law of God. Okay, that's what it was a sign of. And so now Jesus shows up and there's all these Jews who've been loving God through obeying all the things of the law. Their dad did it, their parents did it, their grandparents did it, their great-grandparents did it, great-great-great-grandparents did it, and they could track that back for generations. It's just what they've always done. It was how they worshiped God. It wasn't like this man-made extra. It was genuinely in that season, the mark of I am in God and God is with us. That was a huge aspect of who they were. But when Jesus Christ came, he said, you are no longer under the law, you're under grace. 
Aren't you glad that we are now under grace? And so Jesus, he comes and he bridges that gap and he says, hey, it's not just my, my people are not defined by national borders any longer. Praise God. But he opens it up to everybody. And so this is what the message is. The message is you don't have to obey the law anymore. Like that's you, you're not under that old covenant law. You are free in Christ Jesus. Free from sin, free from slavery to sin, free from slavery to the law. But what was happening in the church in Galatia is there were certain Christians, followers of Jesus, who, who grew up that certain way and could not let go of certain ways of thinking. They could not let go of the circumstance. So what they'd say is like, hey, we love Jesus and we're following Jesus and Paul's preaching truth and all this kind of things. And hey, it's all about Jesus. But you know what? If, if you're a Gentile, so you're not circumcised and you come and get saved, then you should probably get circumcised because that's the sign that you're with us. And Paul hears what's going on. He's like, Why? Why are you holding on to religion, man's efforts to, to, to bridge that gap with God? Don't you know that it's Jesus and Jesus alone? Don't you know it's the cross? And so, so this is what Paul says to those who are adhering to like, hey, they're followers of Jesus. They're in the church, but, but they're adding some things on people. They're adding extra burdens on people. This is what he says. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. They weren't talking about like owning people. That yoke of slavery was talking about slavery to the law. Slavery, let's contextualize it, to religion, to our efforts to try to appease God, to our efforts to bridge that gap. Listen, listen, okay, I'm telling you, if, you're getting, if it's warm in here, you're getting sleepy, okay. Listen here, because this is some strong language. It's quite unique. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you. Whew. If you strive to become, like get this moral one up, try to be close to God by do, obeying this law, then Jesus no longer has any place in your life at all. Wow. It says, again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You can't just take bits and parts. You are trying to be justified by the law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. So I give all that so we can understand where he's coming from. He makes a statement. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love through the context of adding religion to the gospel, adding man's efforts to somehow appease God. It's all about these religious arguments that they were getting into about what makes somebody righteous, what makes somebody close to God. And he says, listen, it has no value at all. But what's interesting is this. I'm sure those who are like holding off on the whole circumcision bit, 
If I could imagine, there'd be a number of them that are trying to hold off on that a little if they could, right? And, and they're trying to hold off and they're over here, like they're listening. I can imagine this letter being read to the whole church and the, the uncircumcised believers are like, I knew I was right. Yeah, you get them, Paul, that's right. What do you start doing? I'm better than you because I had it right. Wait a second. How did that flip so quick? And then he says this. He doesn't just say circumcision has no value. What does he say? He says circumcision and uncircumcision has no value. Like Paul weighed in on the matter. He says there's a right answer and there's a wrong answer, but neither answer matters, has any value when it comes to Jesus. This is something really, really important that we need to hear. There are certain things in life that matter, but in light of the gospel have no value whatsoever. Okay, so maybe you're like, this is, why are we talking about circumcision? Talk about something that is relevant. Okay, let's talk about something that's relevant. <clears throat> Here's the thing. Maybe, maybe we don't have this, this, this old covenant law that, that we keep are tempted to go. And so anybody tempted to go make some sacrifices this week to appease God? Anybody? No? Anybody, anybody ready to go eat kosher just, just because like you want to make sure God is... <clears throat> no, but here's the deal. Today, the obstacles that we face, they're much sneakier religions. You see, the, 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 the heart of this teaching still applies to us today, but it, it does so in ways that oftentimes we don't even recognize. If, if, we, if we define religion as, as, as our human efforts in order to get to God, then, then friends, to be honest, there's a lot of religions that we've adapted, adopted that we need to be careful of. And so we love the idea that it's about love, it's about love, it's about love, it's about love. But sometimes there's some obstacles. For the next couple of weeks, we're gonna talk about why do we struggle loving the way Jesus loved? Why do we struggle with this? And, and I'm gonna propose a couple of different obstacles that I think that if we can identify these obstacles in our lives, we can learn to navigate around them so that we can love like Jesus called us to love. That we can live the Christian life in the way that Christ has called us to. <clears throat> Same trap, different look. We've made a religion out of a lot of things. I wanna talk just about a few of them. I could, we could go all day. I mean, there's dozens and dozens and dozens of things that we've made religions out of. But let me just use a few for an example. We have a tendency to make a religion out of church activity, right? What do I mean by that? We often look at our church attendance and our activity in church things to define whether or not we're close to God. You, you've heard this before, right? Um, hey, how, how's your relationship with God? Well, I haven't been in church for a while. Wait, I didn't ask you if you'd been in church for a while. I asked you how your relationship with God was. Why do we go there? Why? Because we are filtering our relationship with God, which is the central point of, 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 of all of Christianity. We're filtering it exclusively through this one little small window. We've made a religion of church activity. I mean, come on, if, if you, like how in the world are you supposed to know how to behave in heaven if you don't learn how to behave in a small group? I mean, come on guys, right? I, I, we, we, I, oh, I'm, I'm doing, my walk with God is super good because I taught the kids class this week. Praise Jesus, right? Like we, we measure our own religion. We measure our own walk with Jesus 
through our engagement in church activity. Now, look, I, I need you to hear this. I think church activity is good. <laughs> okay, I, I promise you this. We don't do church things just because we like to do things. I don't, we don't make church events because I don't have anything better to do, okay? Um, we do what we do in order to help us live more authentically Christian lives so that we can connect with one another, love one another, and that we can grow in our walk in, with Jesus, right? So I, I think you should go to church every week. I really do. I think it's important. I think there's a long-term effects of it. I think you should be involved in, in groups and, and connecting with others outside of church. And I think you should come and, and be a part of our family fest so together we can reach our community. I, I, I believe in church activity, but the problem comes when we begin to elevate our activity in the local church to a place of religious status. Paul says, if you choose a little bit of religion, Jesus is of no value to you. Friends, we're free from that. Here's another religion that we, 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 we is a common one. Um, the religion of theology. This is a big one. This one is a sketchy one too. <clears throat> I've heard it said, if you don't believe in a literal six-day creation, then you can't even call yourself a Christian. Okay. Um, here's the deal. My salvation does not hinge on the timeline of creation, it hinges on God made flesh, died for me and rose again that I could have life with him, okay? Yeah, the, okay, I know they're kind of pre-trib and they're post-trib, I, mid-trib. I, man, you, you believe that, that you are deceived by the devil? I have no idea. This is what I know, Jesus is coming back. I've got some thoughts on what it's gonna look like um, that I think are true. I'll let you know sometime in, I don't know, a million years, I'm sure that will take care of it. <clears throat> My faith is hinged on the cross and the resurrection. Let's not get sidetracked. Listen, theology is important. I think there's been over the last several decades a decrease in biblical literacy, and I think it's I think it's, I hope it's not in us. I, we need to be students of the word. We need to know God's word. We need to study it. We need to understand its application to us. We need to know it inside and out. We have more resources, more biblical tools than, than we've ever had in the history of the world. There's no excuse not to know the word today. I'm not saying this is a little issue, but the moment that my theology and my rightness supersedes the gospel We've just built ourselves our own Christian religion. How about this one? This one's fun. Uh, we've made a religion of politics. <laughs> I, I can nearly guarantee every person, nearly every person in here has heard this statement from both sides of the aisle. How can you call yourself a Christian and vote for that guy? Every one of us have heard both of those, which is what made last year, one of the things that made last year so miserably complex. <clears throat> I wanna say something that I want you to hear me, okay? I need, like you may need to lay some defenses down for some minute. One of the phrases that, it's not wrong, but it just like makes me feel weird. <laughs> 
is the phrase God and country. I understand the sentiment. I love the freedoms that we have. I am grateful for the military who serve. I am honored to be an American citizen. We have privilege and, and like, like few places in the world. Man, I love the fact that I'm born here. I am honored and privileged to be here. But listen, if you put God and anything next to it, we're bordering on a religion that is not of God. Okay. Now God then country. Okay. That's fine. I'd maybe put a few things in between there too, personally. But if you want to go God, then country, that's fine. And, and that's semantics, but I just want to guard us of some thinking that creeps in so easily that God is not red or blue, and that's hard for, for, for some of us to wrap our head around. But listen, God is not just USA. God is global, okay? And we just need to be reminded of that. And the moment that our political persuasion, the moment that I can define your Christianity based on your border views is the moment that we have missed something, right? Be involved, be active, do your role, leverage your uh, the opportunities that, that God has given us in this time and season that we live in today. Do that, be involved. That is wonderful. But let's guard ourselves from allowing good things that are gifts from God to become a religion that we filter our walk with God through. Is that, is that, are we all on board here? We've made a religion out of church attendance. We've made a religion out of theology. We've made a religion out of politics. We've made a religion out of fighting culture wars, Right? This is what I mean. And this, this could take a lot of different shapes, but, um, you know, <clears throat> wait a second. You bought that birthday party, that birthday present at Target? Oh, you're going to hell. Like that's, that's is that a Starbucks cup in your hand? You're, <laughs> you're going to hell. Like I just hate, <sighs> you've never eaten at Chick-fil-A. You're going to hell. That's it, okay? That's, <laughs> see, we get so caught up in what's happening in our culture that sometimes we make what's happening in our culture God and we then just filter our whole relationship with him through how I'm engaging or not engaging in what's happening around me. We've made a religion out of fighting a cultural war. How about this one? We've made a religion out of morality. This one is kind of interesting. But you see it in petty ways, right? I want to just address it in simple things like, <clears throat> did you see the Instagram pic? He was drinking beer. Oh my gosh. Did you see that social media post? He said the A word. He's going to hell, right? He's going to hell. <clears throat> Did you see how low cut her top was? She's an instrument of the devil, right? Like we, we go there so fast. And what happens if we're not careful is we make morality our religion. Morality is not our religion. Love is. Now listen, don't hear what I'm not saying. I think... 
I think it'd be a good idea that you not get drunk and use clean language and keep your stuff covered up, right? I think those are, those are good things, okay? Let's be moral. That, that's wonderful. In fact, the majority of the, the New Testament writers writing after Jesus wrote about how to conduct ourselves as those who've been set free living under this new covenant of grace. It's teaching us how to do this. But the moment that we judge our relationship with God from a position first of morality means we've made a religion out of something that is good, but not the best. What's interesting is in this issue of circumcision and uncircumcision, this is not a, a, a blurry area. It was a clear area. In fact, Paul gave a ruling on it. He gave clear instruction on it. And sometimes, sometimes, and this wasn't even in my notes, but build a religion of rightness, which could be applied to all of these things, right? Um, but I'm right. Who cares? Right? I mean, that's what Paul says. Paul says, you're right. You're wrong. In Christ Jesus, none of it has value. Now, in life, are there value in the circumcision, uncircumcision? Yes. In life, is there value in the church activity? Sure. The theology? Yes. The politics? Yeah. The culture? Sure. The morality? Yeah. All these things are good, and there's a right answer in a lot of them. But when you throw them all together, if we're not careful, we can find ourselves serving the religion of modern U.S. church culture. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. I think, I don't know if anyone, very few, if any, maybe anyone, I don't know, has ever been turned off by Jesus. But a lot of people have been turned off by the, the other religions that we add to it. What's interesting is Paul says, listen, you guys are fighting about this thing. It's not just who's right or wrong. He's not just going to weigh in. You're right, you're wrong. He says this, this is what matters, and this is the point you're missing. The faith is not expressed in circumcision or uncircumcision. True faith is not expressed in, in church activity. Truth, true Faith is not expressed in perfect theology or perfect politics or perfect culture engagement or perfect morality. True faith is expressed in the ways that we love God and the way that we love the people around us. You want to know what to, I know some of us, some of you right now are doing the work right now, just in your own heart. Are any of these mine? I hope you are. That's the goal, right? When we look at the word of God, we see what Paul writes and we go, man, is this, is this in me? And let me, let me, let me give you a little tool to help identify it and, and, and that Pam can come up on the keyboard here. When you ask the question, how's your relationship with God? Where does your mind go? You know, it's so interesting. And one of the reasons that I use these five things is these are, are five common answers that come out when asked these things. How's your relationship with God? Well, I haven't been in church in a while. Wait, what? I just... Okay. How's your relationship with God? Well, you know, there's certain things I'm just not quite sure of in the Bible. I just, you know, I, I have a hard time with creation. So I have a hard time, Jonah, right? Like that really happened. I have a hard time with it. I have a hard time with, with understanding the, the gifts of the spirit 
in work and the truth. I have a hard time. How's your relationship with God? You instantly go to theology. I didn't ask about your theology. I asked about your relationship with God. How about the, uh, uh, this is the one I get, I hear a lot. How's your relationship with God? Oh, uh, well, you all know what that one means, right? I got sin, man. I am a sinner and I know it. We know what it means. Why do we, why do we go to there? How's your relationship with God? Why do we go to our church activity, our theology, our, our morality? Why is our, our, our mind instantly go to self-defeating thoughts? Well, I don't go to church enough and I don't know the theology enough or, 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 or I'm not good enough. It's because our relationship with God is nothing more than a key phrase to talk about a religion that we've replaced him with. When was the last time you asked somebody, how's your relationship with God? And they responded something along the lines of the way they're loving him and loving the people around him. Like, I, don't, I don't know if I've maybe ever heard that answer. and It's not a normal answer. But Paul says, this is what it's about. How's your walk with Jesus today? How are you loving on him right now? How are you... How are you loving the people around you right now? This is gonna, these are the things that tell us where our relationship with God is at. You know, some of us, our minds go to self-defeating things right off the bat and we begin to see these religions that have, have, have crept in and sometimes they're very prevalent and sometimes they're subtle and behind the scenes. But these religions that have attached themselves to the purest form of the gospel. But sometimes our, our, our minds go to defensive thoughts Well, you know, I, 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 I haven't been in church for a while, but it's really because we, but we play the same tune. Oh, I mean, I, I you know, I'm not the best person. I, okay, I, 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 I get angry sometimes, but it's still pointing to the same thing. We've set up a religion that is false. That is nothing, anything like Jesus set up. Or some of us go to accusatory thoughts. How's your relationship with God? And you answer briefly, Oh, you know, I'm doing fine. But those people, what are we gonna do with those people who? This is the other side of the coin. Some go like, ah, I, 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 I'm, I'm feeling buried under the weight of the religion that I've created. And other people say, no, I'm using this, 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 this religion I've created to judge and condemn everybody else. How is your walk with God? I, you know, I'm doing pretty good. I just, I just having a hard time getting with the people who voted for this guy. Why? How? Why? How? When did? When did we start talking about politics? How's your walk with God? Oh, I'm doing. You know, my relationship with God is good. I just, man, I, the, I just can't stand the, the the Christians who are blindly just allowing these certain things into our. Why are we talking about culture? We're getting to guard our hearts. And this is hard because some of these things are passions of ours. And that's okay. There are a lot of passions of yours. 
the morality thing. Hydrowater, God, it's good. It's so good. But yeah, people are just, oh, I'm tired of people who are just sinning all the time. The church isn't working right. Nobody has the right theology. You see, we set up this religion and we use it to either defeat ourselves or defeat our brothers and sisters in Christ. And Paul says, we're done with that. He says, if you try, if you try to serve a religion, Jesus has no value for you. You know, we love to make this really clean line. There's the heathen and then there's the Christian. I'm on the Christian side, so we're all good. All you heathens, y'all need Jesus. But Paul is giving us another category. He's speaking to people, religious people in the church. And he's saying, listen, guys, you're professing Christ, but Christ has no place in your life if you choose this other tag on religion rather than loving God and loving people. It's not to diminish any of these good gifts of God. It's not to diminish or speak against or say we shouldn't have opinions on any of these things that come up, but let's guard our hearts, brothers and sisters. Let's return to the purity of the gospel. Let's return to the purity of the gospel by grace through faith. Let's return to the purity of the Christian life. Faith expressing itself through love. my hand. I've got work to do. I referenced it before. We have a sign in our lobby that says authentic faith and genuine community. I want something that's real, not man-made. I want something authentic not a byproduct of our American church culture. I want to learn to love like he did. To let go of my religious thinking. To let go of my religious mindsets. And say, God, I just, I just want to love you. God, help me love others. Father, we praise your holy name. God, this is a humbling word because honestly, this is these, these attitudes and these thoughts, they creep in so easily. But Father, like David said, see if there be any wicked way in me. See if there be any wicked way in me. God, I want something real. So here I am. Here we are. Have all of us. We let down our guard. We let down our, our man-made, built-up religions. The things that, that pass as Christianity, but things that you never established. 
Father, you see our hearts. We just want to love you. So God, lead us. Lead us into your truth. In Jesus' name.